Have you ever not been ready when it was time to be ready? I have. I have experienced that very reality many times in my life, but one of the more recent times that is branded on my head actually happened last summer. This past summer, I, uh, I decided for the first time in my adult life to play in a golf tournament. Now, I played golf in high school, played golf in college on a very, very high level. And I've played in hundreds of tournaments as an adult where you're a part of a team. It's two people or four people and you're a team and together you're playing. But this was the first time I'd ever teed up, played my own golf ball, Every stroke counts, every movement of the golf ball counts, the people who you're playing with, they are not your friends, they are your competitors. And it was a real tournament. Now, I decided to play in this tournament about three weeks before the tournament. I had been talking about playing in this tournament for years and just kept never signing up. But about three weeks before the tournament, my family uh, and I and, and my, my wife's uh, father and, and her sister and their family, we were all on vacation together. And there was a lot of us in one little house, which meant I need to go play golf a couple times. And so I, I went out and, and played golf two different times while we were on this little trip. And I played amazing, like unbelievable, which was a little shocking to me because I literally had not played a round of golf the entire calendar year last year up until that point. Now, I, I love golf and I try to hit balls so I can, I can stay sharp and try to practice a bit, but I had literally not played one round of golf. I go out and play twice on this weekend at some difficult courses and I played amazing. And I knew this tournament was a couple weeks away and I was like, I think, I think I need to do it. I think I got it. Problem is I waited on it for about a week. And then about two weeks before the tournament, was going to happen. I went ahead and signed up. Late one night, I was just like, I'm going to do it. So I went ahead and signed up before it filled up. And I told my wife, and she was excited. I told some of my friends, and they were excited. And I was like, I need to get ready. And so I spent the next about 10 days I had to prepare to play in this tournament. And I took it seriously. I mean, literally, before I come into the office, uh, I, if, if we had an evening that was free, you would find me literally until sunset, like on a golf course somewhere. I was practicing, I was playing, I was doing everything I could in those 10 days to get ready. Now, the interesting thing about my getting preparation going there is um, I played really well while I practiced. I was starting to have some confidence about what I was about to do. But let me tell you what you can't do with the game of golf. You can't speed up preparation. You, you either prepared or you not. You either ready or you not. And I went out there and teed it up in this tournament. And let me just tell you the honest truth. I played awful. Pressure is, <laughs> like they say, pressure break pipes. It broke your boy. I played awful. I played the first two rounds and I actually missed the cut, which there was no way in my, like I did not have the, an intelligible thought to, to be able to, in advance of it, think that I would miss the cut, but I missed the cut. 
And after playing it, after doing all this, I recognized the reason why. It wasn't because I wasn't good enough. Man, I played with some dudes that finished, one of the dudes I played with finished pretty high up. And I recognized my own game and I was like, I am way better than him. Here is what's true. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I could trick myself and, oh, you played pretty good over here. Why don't you just sort of turn it up? But baby, what is true is I wasn't ready. The opportunity came. And I couldn't control when they scheduled a tournament. I couldn't control when that would knock on my door. But when the opportunity came, your boy was not ready. And it was a mess. And I hated it. Because I wasn't ready. And there are some of you listening to me today, you ain't got nothing to do with golf, and that's fine. But there are so many opportunities in your life that will come your way. And whether or not you're ready or not has everything to do with what happens in that opportunity. You see, today is Vision Sunday. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're watching online, I have come today to impart vision into you. But maybe in a way that you don't expect. Because I need you to understand straight off the jump, an axiom that is true in life, it is true in your family, it's true in your leadership, it is true in your community and with your friends, it is true in your work, and it's even true spiritually. That success happens in any scope of life, in any frame of it, success happens when preparation meets opportunity. Success in your business, success in a relationship. Success happens when preparation meets opportunity. You cannot control when opportunity comes, but you can control being as ready as possible for whenever the day is, whenever the moment is, whenever the time is, whenever the opportunity comes knocking on your door, you can be ready. And I believe this is true even when it concerns following the vision and seeing God move in our lives. So many people, maybe even you, miss the success, miss the growth, miss the blessing, miss the next step that God has for you and for your life because you are not prepared when the opportunity comes and so you missed it. See, God blesses that preparation with opportunity. Now, some of you know this because you've been a part of our church for the last couple of months. Some of you may not know this. Maybe you're new today with us. Well, just over a month ago, back at the Christmas season, which, my goodness, didn't it feel like it was six months ago? But literally just over a month ago, we hosted an event here through our church that we called Christmas Palooza. It was our third Christmas Palooza, and this was far and away our biggest one. And through Christmas Palooza, we were able to serve right at 2,000 kids in the neighborhood of 6,000 toys. That's incredible. Somebody in the chat can go ahead and clap. Somebody taking a walk, listening to this podcast can just say glory to God because that's incredible. This past Christmas, right at 2,000 kids were able to experience Christmas, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of parents, we served in the neighborhood of 800 families, were able to be the heroes to their kids because of Christmas Palooza. And none of Christmas Palooza would have been able to be possible without people's generosity, people like you, people like me, who gave specifically 
financially to be able to make Christmas Palooza possible, to be able to buy toys for kids, to be able to do all of the promotion and all of the, all of the work that was Christmas Palooza. Christmas Palooza would not have been able to be possible without literally 19 different businesses coming alongside of us and sponsoring Christmas Palooza on various levels of, of, of finances with all of their money given to us going and buying toys for kids. It's incredible. Christmas Palooza would not have been sponsored without the willingness of a church, come on, the willingness of God's people to run toward a vision. You see, we set out in advance of Christmas Palooza to serve 2,000 kids. And we didn't pick that number because we had served 2,000 kids the year before. No, actually, the year before, we had served about 600 kids. The year before that, 400. And the year before that, literally uh, about seven families. This thing had grown exponentially. But we really sense God calling us to try to make a massive difference because of what we had seen. The previous year when we served 600 kids, we saw every single spot that we have fill up in less than an hour. And we just said, we got to do more. The need is so great. We've got to stretch. We have got to reach. We have got to try to serve even more. And so we did. And even as we had already secured many sponsors, even as we already had Tons and tons of volunteers saying they were served. So many logistics figured out. The truth is, is we were getting close to being able to open this to people. And some of you know this because I was able to share it in short. We didn't really know if we were going to be able to serve the 2,000 kids that we wanted to. We thought that maybe, it, you know, we knew that we could serve 1,000, maybe 1,200 but to really get all the way to that 2,000 number that, again, was just something placed in our heart. We knew something crazy was going to have to happen. And right before we were going to open up the signups, I got a text message from somebody I didn't know saying, I've been watching you. <laughs> I've been hearing what you guys are trying to do. And I want to meet with you because I can help you. Well, come to find out, this person became an anonymous donor to Christmas Palooza. And what's amazing is they saw what we were doing. They saw the direction they, that we were running in. When I, when I met with them, they were like, well, how much money have you guys raised for this? And I told them, and they said, that's incredible. And they said, how, how have you done this before? And I shared what we had done before. And they said, what are you trying to do? And, can you, and they said, yeah, we can do that. And they were like, all right, we can come with you. We can help with you. We can come alongside of you. And what happened is about 40 to 50% of all the toys that we were able to give away, they gave to us. I have had dozens of conversations since we did Christmas Palooza in this last, you know, five, six weeks. Other churches around the country, pastors, some people reaching out on behalf of their church, saying, man, we heard what, what how did it happen? And I started explaining to them that we did this and we did this and we did this and we had this coming. And I said, oh, that couldn't happen for us. And I said, yes, it could. Because what you don't understand is these were not like, like, like things we had already aligned. We knew where God had told us to run. We knew the direction God had called us to walk in. And so we started walking in it. And along the way, he brought all the provision that we needed. 
Along the way, he brought every resource. Come on, he brought everything that we needed to do, everything he had called us to do. So many people think when it concerns vision, God's vision for your life or God's vision for his church, that somehow you have to predict and plan everything. And your ability to predict and plan everything is what matters. No, what matters is that you are ready when the opportunity comes. Success happens in anything in your life when preparation meets opportunity. The sad reality is that so many people want everything done in advance. They want to predict and plan. And if it fits their prediction and it works to their plan, then God must be in it. And if not, it ain't God. No. God has not called us to predict and to plan. What God has called us to do as a church, what God has called you to do in your life is to pray and prepare. See, it is not your job or my job to know the future. That's on God. But it is our job to get ready as he's called us to. To get ready to do everything he has set out for us. To get ready for when he wants to show up. To get ready for when he wants to bless. To get ready for when he wants to supernaturally provide. To get ready for when he wants to increase. To get ready for when he wants to redirect. To get ready. So when the time comes, we're ready. We're ready for him to do what only he can do. And can I tell you, friend, this concept, this idea is such a different perspective of vision. And most specifically within the church house. Because so often in a space when people talk about vision in the church, they often talk about some building that needs to be built. Some item that needs to be bought. Friend, I ain't got none of that for you today. I'm here to talk about vision. Sometimes when people think about vision, they think about some thing. They think about some place. They think about arriving somewhere. You are misunderstanding vision. Please write this in your notes today before we study God's word. Vision is not about a destination. Vision is about a direction. Vision is not about some destination that you arrive at. It is not about some place that you ultimately find yourself. It is about a direction that you go in. It is about preparation to be on the journey. It is about walking in the path that God has set for you. When he said, go this way, you go this way. You don't know where you're ultimately trying to get, and that's okay. But you are willing to walk in the way that God has called you to walk. I want to turn your attention today to a a parable Jesus told. It's found in the book of Matthew chapter 25, and on the surface, some of you that may have ever heard this parable before will not see its theological implications to us concerning vision, but oh, it's so weighty in this. Because you will only see the one primary theological explanation that comes from it, and it's very true in there. I'm just not going to harp on that today, because it's Vision Sunday, and we are here to talk about Vision. And so listen to this story that Jesus tells, starting in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read 13 verses together. If you're ready, somebody in the chat say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Ooh, I hope you are. It says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. 
The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. You go to a shop somewhere and buy some for yourself. But when they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back to them, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or the hour of my return. I want to turn your attention today in this story to a reality that regularly disappointed Jesus. Folk not being ready. If you were to read what we call the Gospels, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that are all right there at the beginning of the New Testament, they all tell the story of Jesus. And you will find Jesus in many situations and in many places disappointed because the people he was ministering to, the people he was preaching to, the people he was trying to help see what they had always hoped to see weren't ready for it. Jesus came and inaugurated the kingdom of God. That's what he said. The kingdom of God is here. And he was regularly disappointed about the fact that people who'd been waiting thousands of years for their deliverer, the promised Messiah to come, they had spent hundreds of years without another word from God weren't ready when the word arrived. To say it simply, they talked about wanting God to show up, but they would not get ready for God to show up. Now, I have been a student of preaching since I was in high school. When I was in ninth grade, I sensed a call on my life to go and be in ministry. That's what God wanted me to do. And I held intention all through high school this desire uh, to be in sports or something, because I loved sports. Maybe play golf, maybe work, but we understand that didn't, that shouldn't have happened. You know, like, we know, come on, man. But like, but also like this, this sense of calling on my life to, to serve God through the local church. And I held these intentions. But part of what happened when I, since this call on my life, is I became fascinated, overwhelmed, with the craft of preaching. Because if, being honest with you, when I was in 9th, 10th, 11th grade, I thought all leading in the church was, was preaching. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. But I became obsessed with it. I started to notice certain preachers that resonated with me, whether they were popular or not, whether everybody knew their name or not. And one such preacher that I fell in love with, and to this day, Love to hear speak. In fact, Time Magazine some years ago called him the Prince of Preachers, called him the greatest preacher in this generation. And some of you already know who I'm talking about. It is the Bishop, 
T.D. Jakes. Bishop Jakes pastors the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas, but he is known worldwide as a gifted orator, specifically communicating the truths of God and his word. And at that time that I was falling in love with preaching and leaning into the preaching of Bishop Jakes and being amazed at his ability to craft sentences and structure and take people on a journey and help people to feel the reality of biblical characters and what they were going through and how that connected to their life and situation. That he had this phrase that he would say quite often. He would say it at conferences and he would say it in his own church. He, he, he would say it in such a way that it would get the entire room excited by what he said. And some of you have heard this before. Some of you have no idea who Bishop Jakes is or what he would say. But he would offer this phrase, and it was two words that he would repeat over and over and over again. And it's like as he said them, faith was building up on the inside of people. Bishop Jakes sort of almost became known for this statement where he would say, and I will not try to imitate the bishop because the bishop is the bishop. But he would say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Then he'd speed up his right. He'd say, get ready, 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 get, 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 get. That was bishop, right? He still does that from time to time. Get ready. And I got to be honest to you, as someone studying the craft of preaching, and even to this day still studying, when I first heard it and would often hear it, I thought of this phrase is more of a admonishment and hype. That's not wrong, but just something to build the energy in the room that he was in. But many years ago, I was in a room with Bishop Jakes where he was teaching a gathering of preachers and pastors and church leaders. And he started talking about that phrase. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And he said that when he says it, regardless of how people think of it, it's not an empty exhortation, but it's a call to preparation. It's the faith to believe and the faith to do. Get ready. If we about to leave the house and you ain't got your clothes on, you gotta get ready. If there's a test coming and you hadn't studied, guess what? You got to get ready. Come on, if there's an opportunity knocking at your door and you ain't got your ducks in a row, baby, now is the time to get ready. That when he would say this, he wasn't just telling people just to get excited that somehow something out of their control. This was on them. Get ready for whatever God may want to do. In that day, Women always carried lamps with them at night. This story that Jesus tells here is not some alien thought or idea. Women who would be out at night carried a lamp for their own safety, but also so that way the people that they would interact with would know what kind of a woman they were and were not, if you know what I mean. And so women who would know that they are going to meet the bridegroom for this great party, not knowing when he might show up at night, would have always prepared fully for whatever 
might take place. No woman with any sense to her would go out expecting to meet a bridegroom and only carry enough oil in her lamp to make it for an hour or two or to make it through half the night because you have no idea when the bridegroom is going to show up. So you would fill your lamp with oil, but bring all the extra you need in case he didn't come at night. But at, at just the break of dawn, he showed up. You were going to be ready. And Jesus tells this parable with this great call within it to get ready now so that whenever the moment that God shows up, so whenever the moment that it is time, you are not going to be found sleeping and you are not going to be found ill-prepared, but you will be found ready. Somebody in the chat type, get ready, get ready, get ready. Can I tell you, I believe this is God's call to us here and now today. Believing church, I believe this is what God is speaking to us in this season of our lives, to get ready, not to drift through our lives and live like God will never show up, not to assume that God will clean it all up and fix it all up whenever he does decide to show up. No, but to get ready right now to recognize who we are and the direction God has called us to walk in and to get ready as we walk in that direction for him to show up and to show out like only he can do. It is time to get ready. How do we get ready? Well, I want to also be incredibly practical for you today. We get ready in your notes, write this down, by focusing on your inputs, not the outcome. So many people mess up the goals they set in their life. Your New Year's resolution is probably already screwed up if you focused on the outcome rather than the input. Some of you set a goal to lose a certain amount of weight as an output. If you would set a goal of saying, I'm going to do this many workouts this year, you would find you along the way reaching that goal. Your input would bring the output that you want. But most people only want to say, I want to save this much money, or I want to feel this close to God, or I want to, I want to be known like this, but you don't focus on the input. You get ready by focusing on your inputs. Can I tell you spiritually? Can I tell you as a church? Can I tell you as we walk towards the vision that God has for us? This is what we have to focus on. This is what God has called us to focus on. Not to worry about the outputs, but to focus on the inputs. To be someone who says, I don't know when God's going to show up. And I don't know how he's going to show up. But I'm going to be ready whenever he shows up. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be found ready. I'm going to be found faithful. I'm going to be found walking in the way that he's called me to walk. And so whenever he shows up, and whenever he moves, and whenever he blesses, baby, I am ready. You focus on the input, and the output will take care of itself. So then, what direction is God calling us to walk in this year? Well, I want to give you four specifically. These are not for you to necessarily write down in your notes because they're not meant to be catchy 
I'm gonna give you some catchy in a minute. You can write that stuff down. <laughs> but I want to help you see the direction. I want to make sure those of you who call Believing Home, those of you who are new to our church, those of you who've been a part of the church for years, those of you who, who are new to Memphis, you, you, or you, you've been in Memphis for a long time, those of you who have maybe been around, but today you're really going to start leaning in to what God has called us to do. I want to make sure you are crystal clear on the direction God is calling us to go in. So what is that direction? Well, let me explain it to you in, with four things. The first is this. God is calling us to reach more people this year through our services. I believe that. You know, we have been a group that has been very careful and cautious as we have navigated reaching people through services with the realities of COVID-19. Some of you know this, some of you don't, but we moved into our current physical location one week before COVID shut down the world. In fact, it was only this past Easter, just nine months ago or so, 10 months ago, that we actually brought our auditorium back to its full capacity seating-wise. For a year and a half, even after we began having in-person and online services, we, we spaced out seating to, to make sure we took it. And we just didn't want to push, gather, because the church is more than a service, but the church is services. But God has done so much in our church. He is doing so much in and through our services. I believe this is a year where we are going to reach more and more and more people through our services. Every single series that we do, this is an input. Every single season, every single special day, we are going to resource you and we are going to communicate to our community the opportunity that is connecting in this. We are going to be unwavering and unashamed in our invitation to people to come and join us in service, in person and online. And we are preparing even now to make room, to make room even in our, our, our spaces, but also to make room by multiplying our services. We are getting ready even now to have multiple services on a Sunday. We are getting ready even now to be able to prepare to expand our current space to serve more people even at one time. We're getting ready because it's the direction God has called us to walk in. To, there are too many people who are near to us but are far from God. And we need to make more room in our services so we can reach people through services who are far from God. So what direction are we walking in? We are walking in a direction this year where you're going to hear more than you probably have ever heard before if you've been in our, about the opportunities to reach people through services, to get them here online and in person through services on Sunday. Here's the second thing that we're walking in. Clarifying this direction for you. This year, God has called us to walk in greater demonstrations of irrational generosity. I don't know if y'all really realize, but the amount of generosity that comes out of this house is irrational already. I mean, I have people all the time that say, I can't believe that y'all serve hundreds of kids meals every single day, and we do. 
I can't believe y'all do grocery drive throughs every single month, and we do. I can't believe y'all step up and help out. I can't believe y'all clean up this neighborhood. I can't believe y'all fix this problem. I can't believe y'all work it out. I can't believe you give like this. We believe that this year will be a year of greater demonstrations. What do I mean? I mean that right now we have already increased the number of families that we serve through our grocery drive-thru by 20%. Greater demonstrations. We're working to increase the number of meals that we serve to kids every day. Greater demonstrations. Not only that, I talked to you a minute ago, just sort of as a way of illustration about Christmas Palooza. And this is now our third Christmas Palooza. And Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, we are planning to do Christmas Palooza again this year. But I have news for you. We believe that's not going to be our only Palooza this year. That yes, at Christmas, we're going to serve thousands of kids free toys. But there are at least two other opportunities that God has laid on our heart that we are trying to figure out right now. We are walking in because we know that we're called to greater demonstrations of irrational generosity. And some of you are like, well, what are these other Paloozas? I ain't telling you yet. Because we don't even know that they're going to happen. But what will happen is we are going to, like we did with Christmas Palooza, like we've done with grocery drive throughs like we've done with our meals for kids, like we've done is we're in the process of even adding additional grocery drive throughs and increasing the, the, the amount of food that we're able to serve to each individual family with our drive throughs The direction we're walking in is greater demonstrations of this irrational generosity. God loved the world so much that he gave, and we believe that there ought to be churches today who demonstrate the kind of irrational generosity, irrational love that God has towards us, that we do towards others. So that's the direction we're walking in. Third, the direction we're walking in this year is more community for more people. We want to see more people find community, you know, because that's how we believe transformation takes place. And my desire for you, our desire as a church for you, is all surmised in our mission statement. That we exist so that all people are transformed in Christ. That is why we want to, to, to walk in the lane that is reaching more people through services. That is why we want to walk in the lane of being even, even greater in our demonstrations of generosity. Because we believe that transformation happens in people's lives when they know God and when they make a difference, but also when they find community. And so we want to create more community for more people. We want more people who have the need for community in our city to be able to find their community in and through believing. That is why this year we are offering new classes. We just got done with a new class, uh, first time offered here. That is our leadership class. And it was fantastic. And what was so cool to see is there are people who are brand new to our church who joined us in that leadership class. There are people who literally, that was their first time to come to anything at our church. They had received through grocery drive throughs They had received through Christmas Palooza. They had received in some ways, but the first time to step in and connect in any way to what actually happens here from a teaching perspective was through our leadership class. And can I tell you, this next month we're offering another class. It actually starts, if you're watching this at church online or listening to this before the fact, it starts the first Tuesday of February. And we're hosting a parenting class. 
And we already have people signed up. This is going to be their first interaction with, with teaching in any capacity at our church. They don't, they don't sit in rows on Sundays or watch even online. But you know what? They're going to connect with God and his word through these classes. Why? Because we want more community for more people. We have more classes to come, more opportunities to connect. Our home behind class, our money class, some other opportunities. It's going to be a fantastic season of that. But not only that, today, somebody in that chat type, today. Today, we are launching, beginning our new season of groups. Groups are starting today. We'll be running through the middle part of May. And our groups are very simply small groups of people. Some of them meet at homes. Some of them meet at restaurants. Some of them, they pray together. Some of them have a little Bible study going on. Some of them are just eating and hanging out. But what they are, they're opportunities for people to connect together. And can I tell you, if you need community, there is not an easier place for you to find that community here at Believing than joining a group. You should right now, believing.church forward slash groups, Find you a group, sign up today. Some of these groups are literally having their first meeting this week. You ought to jump in. You ought to get connected. You ought to find the community that you need. We're creating more opportunities for families this year, families to have fun, families to celebrate together. Why? Because we want more community for more people. And not only that, the fourth direction we're walking. So we're going to reach more people through services. We're going to provide greater demonstrations of irrational generosity. We're going to create more community for more people. And we're going to change the game through yellow houses. Say, change what game? <laughs> the whole game. See, yellow house number one is coming this year. And I have faith to believe that it will not be the only one that will come this year. Some of you don't know what we mean by yellow house. Let me tell you very quickly. Yellow House is a dream that's been on the inside of me, a burden that I've been carrying for years, to provide quality, affordable housing to single moms. And it started because I got angry several years ago trying to help a single mom with her five kids find just that, quality, affordable housing. And I personally went with her and another lady to help scope out some places where it literally saw before my eyes landlords trying to take advantage of this single mom. And it's like, no, 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 no. And I got so angry that I got focused. I joined a incubator, a cohort of sorts here in the city designed to help nonprofits begin because I just didn't know what to do, but I knew the need was great. And I knew that God had burdened our heart to figure out some way to do it. And I shared the vision there. And as I shared it, they said something to me they didn't literally say to anybody else in my little cohort that I was with. They said, sir, this needs to happen. And so as we dug deeper, they said, you know what? I want to give you some steps to walk this thing out. They said, you need to move your church into its own facility. See, at the time, our church was meeting in a movie theater. We had a little office over here on Summer Avenue, and we hosted services in the Malco Paradiso. And they said, your, your, your church needs to be in its own facility, and really, you need to be the owners of it. And once you do that, you need to figure out how to bootstrap your first one and just make it happen. Get a proof of concept, and then we can help you. And we can help this thing serve so many families led by single moms. So that's what we've been doing. Literally, since that time, our church has moved from 
meeting portably at the Malco Paradiso to our permanent location here on Summer Avenue. Uh, about 10 months ago, nine months ago, we moved from being renters of this facility to being the owners of it. And yes, we still have a mortgage, but we pay a bank. We ain't worried, like this is ours. Our name is on the deed. This is ours, right? And we have been all along the way trying to bootstrap this first one. But it's felt nearly impossible. We've had people give, I've given, maybe some of you have given. But we're so far away from being able to buy our first house, it just seemed, it seemed like one of those things you would say, well, ain't that cute, what they're trying to do. I got so sad on Yellow House and our lack of progress that back in the middle to late part of the summer, I don't remember the exact time, but I actually turned off the section that was Yellow House on our website. Because Yellow House is one of those things people would ask me about all the time. And, you know, sometimes when there's a, a pain point, you just kind of get tired of answering questions about it. So it's like, God will provide. We'll figure this out. But it's not going to be because this is on our website or not. Then back in September, I sat in a meeting actually in our facility, right over here in our third to fifth grade room, with community leaders in our neighborhood, but also some leaders of influence in our city. And they were trying to determine a project of significance that they could give to. And myself and many other city leaders, community nonprofit leaders right here in the neighborhood, were sitting there. And everyone was kind of sheepish to talk. We had talked about problems and said some ideas. But when it came like brass tax time, like somebody tell us an idea you're working on that we could get behind, the room was quiet. And you probably know me well enough to know, even if this is your first time to listen, like I ain't got no problem talking. And so I could sense that they needed, so I said, are you wanting us to share with you like dreams and vision that we have, that we believe this community needs that does not exist yet? And one of the ladies leaned over the table. She said, absolutely, talk to me. I said, let's go then. And so I talked about, at that time, our grocery drive throughs and what we were doing and what we saw. I talked about Christmas Palooza because this was September. This was months before Christmas Palooza would be there. We were just in the beginning stages of, of connecting with sponsors. We didn't know. And so I shared vision about that. And even though I had deactivated off of our website a month or two before, I shared with them about this vision that we have, this burden to provide quality, affordable housing for single moms that we are calling Yellow House. And you could tell in that room that this was resonating on a level. In fact, never in my life, before that time or since that time, have I been in a meeting with people who maybe had the means and felt led by the Holy Spirit to talk about it then. But I did then. And so I said something then. And I was able to talk to them about it and share with them vision and run over to the office and print some things out. And while I was printing some things out, reactivate that page on the website about Yellow House so they could see and show them vision and show them heart and explain to them what we had done. And then I found out a couple months later, they voted 
on what project they wanted to invest in, what project they wanted to make happen. And they picked Yellow House. They picked us. Why? Because when you sit in the room, it's too late to get ready. When you are at the table, it's too late to get your stuff together. You got to get ready so when the opportunity comes, you are ready to speak, thus saith the Lord. See, some of you don't realize that the work you've been doing in private that nobody sees, God is going to open up an opportunity. You just got to get ready. Somebody shout at me, get ready. What you don't realize is years of tears and years of working and years of trying to figure out, God, how is this going to happen in a moment he can provide if you'll get ready? Because my Bible tells me eye has not seen and ear has not heard and neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store. But what you have to do is get ready. Because God is the one who sets the direction. But I want you to know today, believing, that you are the one who sets the speed. See, when it comes to vision, God is the one who says this is the way in which you should walk. But we collectively are the ones who determine how fast we go down that direction. As a church, our vision is not for sale. Can't nobody buy our vision. Can't nobody redirect us into some other path. God has set the way for us to go and we will walk therein. But what I believe God is asking many of us today, what I believe God is imploring us today, is to get ready. Get ready. For some of you, he's saying, why are you not getting ready? Because what you don't realize is as you get ready, you are putting your foot on the gas. Because what, what's going to happen is you're running in the way that he's called you to run. It's like he's asking you, why aren't you getting ready? Because when he wants to bless you, when he wants to increase you, come on, Matthew 25, when he wants to show up, it's too late for you to go buy oil. But if you'll get ready now, before you can even see, before it even makes sense, before you even understand how it all works together, God will show up and show out for the honor of his great name. And so I came to tell you today, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. This is a season for us as a church to get ready. Come on, whether you're young or you're old, whether you're single, whether you're married, you got kids, you ain't got no kids, you don't want no kids. It is a season to get ready. So how do we do this? How can we speed up our pace in the direction God has called us to? Well, I want to very simply, as I close, give you four ways you can help us. Remember, this vision isn't about outcomes. It's about inputs. And if we are going to run in the direction God has called us to run, we need all of us to be focused on the input that we bring. See, as we lean in to these inputs in the direction God's called us to, what it does is it, it puts, it's like slamming down on that gas pedal. And we already know what, we ain't trying to figure out whether we're going the right way. We know we're going the right way. We're just gonna go faster and faster and faster. So how can we speed up? I'm gonna tell you how, write this down. The first thing you can do is prioritize 
Sunday services. Prioritize Sunday services. The book of Hebrews tells us to not neglect gathering together as some people get in the habit of doing. And can I just be honest with you today as your pastor? There are many people who do not prioritize Sunday services when the first thing that the church does, please hear me, it's not the only thing, it should never be the only thing, but it is the first thing, is we gather and we worship our God. Jesus came to start an ecclesia, a gathering that was in his name that would bear his name. The problem is many people that call themselves followers of Jesus do not follow his first and primary command to gather in his name. That's why I'm telling you, you want to help speed up what God is doing here? Prioritize Sunday services. What does that mean? That means come early to service. You join us online, show up early, man. Be talking in that chat. It builds the atmosphere, man, for when service starts with worship and the word. You come in person. Man, when you come in person, show up early. I know. I understand my city. I understand people be rolling up late thinking they on time. But listen, you got to prioritize. I've seen people prioritize things. When we give away groceries, people get here hours before we ever even are able to open up the line because it's a priority to them. We give away toys, the line builds at noon for something where the doors don't even open at six o'clock. Let's people of God start prioritizing being in God's house, being connected in person or online by coming early and getting close, man, leaning into what God is doing and be loud. Come on, you should be talking in the chat if you're watching at church online. You should be sharing this with your friends. Come on, if you're listening to the podcast, we should be loud about this. And part of prioritizing is that we do this every week. It is very common in our culture today to attend church once a month, to attend service once a season, and to think of ourselves as someone who's connected to a church. You may be loosely connected, but you ain't prioritizing. We're going to prioritize Sunday services. And as we do, we're going to get faster. The second thing you can do, come on, write this down is everybody serve somewhere. Everybody serve somewhere. To every single person who serves in any capacity, you serve by uh, hosting classes or leading a group. You serve uh, with, our, with our teams on Sunday, online or in person. You, 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 you serve with our outreach. You serve, in the, you serve in any capacity. Thank you. But there are so many people in our church who do not serve anywhere. You receive you consume and that's fine but part of how we go faster is when everybody serves somewhere why because we are then getting ready for people that aren't here yet we are then getting ready for the families for your friends for your neighbors for people that live in our city to be able to come in and then there's somebody ready to serve them and kids there's somebody ready to host a group that they can attend there's somebody ready to greet them when they show up at class we ready and so if you don't serve somewhere you should today jump on our website believing god church and join a team today Find you a place to serve. We'll connect you with a team leader. Because the more people who serve, it puts gas 
or what God has called us to do in the direction he's called us to go. And number three, you want to help speed up what God is doing here? Become more generous. Everything we do, we are able to do because of the generosity that currently happens. Which means if all of us grew our generosity just from wherever it is, you have no idea what God might be able to do through us if that happened. What does that mean? That means for the person watching right now at Church Online, listening to the podcast, uh, that attends in person and you don't give at all, start giving. Start becoming generous. If you give nothing, giving something is growing your generosity. I know that sounds harsh, but what's even harsher is the fact that you have tricked yourself into thinking you give in some way, but yet you don't contribute financially. And you are actually making it where we can't go as fast. <laughs> Become more generous. If you give occasionally, like sometimes you give, one month you give, one month you won't, one week you do, one week you don't, one season you do, one season you don't. Become more consistent. Set that thing in your budget like you budget any and everything else. And say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to generously give towards the work of God through the church that I believe in their vision. And it's going to be this amount. And become consistent in that. For those of you who are like me and you, you consistently give generously, thank you. But I would even encourage you to see and ask, how can I give more? You know, just this last week, our accountants sent out contribution statements from the last year. You should have received an email. If you didn't, please contact our office or contact our accountant and say, hey, I, I, I need to get, I didn't, I didn't get that or check your spam folder if it went there. But they, they sent out contributions. And every year when I get hours for our household, I thank God for what he's allowed us to invest. But I also pray and say, God, uh, by your Holy Spirit, help us to give more next year. I want to become more generous. You know why? Because I know that it helps us to run towards the vision that God has for us faster. Number four, how can we speed up in the direction God's called us to? You can bring someone bring someone new. The single greatest way any church grows is when current people bring new people. That's it. When people who currently call this church home, when people who currently serve, currently give, currently attend, currently prioritize Sundays, say, I'm going to bring with me people who don't go to church yet. So you have friends who need God, can I tell you, the greatest thing you could do is to bring them into church because we will share with them the love of God. We will show them what it looks like to be a church on mission, what it looks like to be a church concerned about the realities tangibly of the people in our city, what it means to be people passionate about God, passionate about his word and his ways. They will find that, but you got to bring them. And so now is the time to get ready. You say, well, when are we going to do what? I don't know. Because I don't know how fast we're going to go. But my prayer for you today is that you would take the four of these inputs and recognize that as you do them, 
as you prioritize Sunday services, as, as you decide, I'm going to serve somewhere, and I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to be consistent. As you say, I'm going to become more generous. I'm going to bring someone new. That you recognize that is us collectively getting ready for whenever God wants to show up, for whenever God wants to bless, for whenever God wants to do what only God can do. So my charge to you on this Vision Sunday is this. If you believe in the direction, then help us pick up the pace. Help us go faster in the way that God has called us to. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for vision that comes from you. I thank you for all that you have done and all that you are calling us to. Father, I pray that you fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit to do everything that you have called us to do. And that, Father, this would be a house full of people who really do take it seriously that we are to get ready. And we would get ready for whenever you want to show up, whenever you want to show up, whenever you want to bless, whenever you want to increase, whatever you want to do. God, we are waiting and we are ready. And so, Father, I pray you give us the strength and the determination personally to do those things that we can control, that you have asked us to do, so that we are ready to receive everything from you that you have for us cannot control. God, keep us faithful to run in the direction you've called us to. We pray all these things, Jesus, in your name. And everybody said, amen.